0: Tonight, we're exploring the story of a promise being fulfilled and of God's invitation for an ordinary young girl to participate in God's plan to save the world. Our story begins over 2,000 years ago in the small village of Nazareth, where a young Jewish girl waited she was waiting and preparing for the day of her wedding feast. She was also waiting, together with all faithful Jews, for a promised king. Her people had been waiting a long time for this promised king. Centuries and centuries and centuries ago, God had promised their answer Abraham that his family would be blessed and would, in turn, bring blessing to all the nations. And somewhat more recently, but still centuries ago, God had promised their ancestor, King David, that one of his descendants would reign forever. But their rebellion and their disobedience had led to them being conquered multiple times over the centuries And now the current king of the Jews was not a descendant of David, and he served under the authority of the Roman government. Still, they held on to the promises God had made and waited for God to raise up a descendant of David to redeem and restore the people. But it had been a really long time, since they had heard anything new from God. Their prophets had fallen silent over 400 years ago, and things seemed pretty bleak. The Romans who occupied their land kept the peace by violently punishing anyone who disobeyed and by taxing them heavily. In Nazareth, the small village Mary lived in wasn't particularly noteworthy. It was small enough that people usually had to explain, as Luke did, that it was located in Galilee. Sort of like when you need to tell people where the city you live in is in relation to Chicago, right? (laughs) It wasn't a well-known village, and it did not have the best reputation either. But Mary was content. She was a young virgin who was betrothed to be married, and she was in the period within her betrothal when she was legally married to her groom Joseph, but waiting for the day when he would come and take her to live in his household. And she had a good match. While Joseph was older than Mary, he was a good man who was righteous and who would be able to care well for her. And he was a descendant of King David. One day, Mary was going about her ordinary work When the air around her changed, and suddenly a bright and stately being appeared before her. Mary shielded her eyes, but peeking through her fingers, discovered an angel standing before her. And before she could fully comprehend what was happening, he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored! The Lord is with you! So let's pause a moment and consider Gabriel's first words to Mary. Angels are messengers from God, and they usually begin their greetings to humans with, don't be afraid, because apparently angels provoke fear in humans. But that's not how Gabriel started his message to Mary. He jumped right into the message without reassuring her not to be afraid. And I wonder why that is. So we know that the angel's name is Gabriel, and we also know that centuries before this, He had appeared to the prophet Daniel to explain some messianic visions that had frightened and perplexed Daniel, visions that foretold the ways that Israel would be conquered before the promised Messiah would arrive. So Gabriel understood God's plans for the promised Messiah well enough to explain them to Daniel centuries and centuries before. Gabriel had been waiting a long time to share the message that the appearance of the Messiah was imminent. So I think we can forgive him if he was perhaps a little over-enthusiastic in his initial greeting. Now Mary had never seen an angel before, but she knew that something important was happening. She knew that angels were sent by God, and that in the past, angels had brought messages from God that had called heroes of her faith to important missions related to God saving his people. It was also true that sometimes angels showed up to announce an unexpected or significant pregnancy, but that seemed unlikely in this case. After all, Mary was a virgin. Those previous announcements were to people who desperately wanted children, but who had been barren for years, or were so old that having children naturally was no longer possible. Mary's body was slightly hunched over as she instinctively tried to protect herself. Like most people who have encountered angels, Mary felt afraid. However, it wasn't only the appearance of the angel that concerned her. Mary was very troubled by his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this could be. What message, she wondered, might this angel bring to her? If God was sending an angel, then whatever he was about to tell her would likely be something so big and so seemingly impossible that it could only be accomplished through God's power. Mary stared at the angel in wonder and confusion. She was afraid to speak, but she imagined... The angel could read the fear and the uneasiness in her face. And it's at this point that Gabriel appears to remember his usual lines. And he continues, probably a bit more gently now. Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Mary sat for a moment, dumbfounded. So this was a pregnancy announcement, huh? But it wasn't a normal pregnancy announcement. I mean, pregnancy announcements from angels are never really normal. But this this was unprecedented, even for an announcement from an angel. Mary was a young virgin. She'd never been with a man before, and she wasn't even living with her husband yet. God had caused a number of miraculous births in the past, but Mary had never heard of a virgin birth. This was new. She wondered if maybe the angel meant that she'd eventually give birth to a son after she'd consummated her marriage with Joseph. But if that was the case, it seemed odd that the angel would say that she would conceive and give birth. She listened as Gabriel continued. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It seemed clear from Gabriel's description that the son to be born to to Mary was very special. All of the ways Gabriel described her coming son were descriptions of the promised king that she and her people had been waiting for. This son to be born to her was no ordinary child. He would be the promised Messiah. Mary considered this. She believed without doubt that God could do this. There was an angel Standing here telling her it would be so, what further sign could she possibly need? But Mary did have a question. She knew enough about marriage and biology to understand what is typically involved in conceiving a child. It was scary enough to think about her wedding night with Joseph, but this child was clearly unique, and Mary wondered what might she expect concerning how he would be conceived. It was a somewhat delicate question and Mary didn't want to offend or make the angel think she didn't believe him. She thought for a moment and then she looked up at Gabriel and asked, how will this be since I am a virgin? And Gabriel didn't seem upset or offended. Instead, his face took on a look of awe as he answered her question. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. The idea of the Holy Spirit coming over Mary and overshadowing her was as beautiful as it was scary. It evoked how God's spirit hovered over the surface of the waters before God spoke the world into being out of nothing. It echoed how the glory of God overshadowed Mount Sinai when God spoke to the people during the Exodus And then led them through the wilderness in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It reminded her of how the glory of the Lord overshadowed and filled first the tabernacle and then later the temple with God's holy and glorious presence. And although Mary was an ordinary girl from an unremarkable village, God was going to overshadow her. And in a mystery too great to be understood, her child would be called the Son of God. Mary herself would become a temporary tabernacle for the Lord. Let's pause and consider this. God's desire has always been to be with his people. He walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He instructed the Israelites to build a tabernacle, a tent that could travel with the people. And God's response when David wanted to build a house or a temple for God was essentially, Who said I wanted a house? I've been perfectly content in a tabernacle, in a tent that moves around with my people. You're not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house or a dynasty for you. God had always planned to come himself to live among his people. And coming as a human meant he would have feet that would let him move around with his people. And it's not just Mary who gets to experience the mystery of God overshadowing and dwelling within her. After Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, God sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell in and fill those who believe in Jesus. And so we, too, are tabernacles, or temples of God. Although Mary's experience was pretty unique, she had a foretaste of what all believers would eventually experience. Back to our story. The angel Gabriel continued, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now Mary had not asked for a sign, and yet the angel gave one to her. And what a wonderful sign it was. Her relative Elizabeth who had longed for a child and was too old to conceive naturally, was already six months pregnant. This was such good news for Elizabeth, who had borne the shame of being barren and had longed for a child for so many years. Mary rejoiced for her, and Mary was herself greatly encouraged. I wonder if Gabriel paused here briefly to reflect This was a special and unique moment, not only in the history of God's people, but of the entire world. God was getting ready to fulfill promises he had made to King David and also promises he had made all the way back to Abraham. God was sending the promised Messiah who would reign forever and through whom all the families on the earth would be blessed. And even going all the way back to the very beginning of the world itself, God was fulfilling his promise to Eve that her offspring would crush the serpent's offspring's head. Jesus would be born as a man, but he would also be born of a woman. Both male and female played a part in the fall of the world, and both male and female would play a unique and significant role in the incarnation of God and in his saving work in the world. From the very moment sin entered the world, God had a plan to save the world, a plan that included both women and men, a plan that would call a specific people the Israelites, but always with the loving intention of expanding to all people everywhere. It had been a long long and winding path. And now, finally, God was getting ready to fulfill his promises. Gabriel looked back down at Mary and continued, for no word from God will ever fail. Surely Mary thought no word from the Lord will ever fail. All the words of God, the promises given so long ago, Will be fulfilled. And God, in His gracious mercy, for some reason had chosen to fulfill those promises through Mary, an ordinary young girl. A tear made a slow path down Mary's cheek. She felt so many things awe, joy, fear. It was as overwhelming as it was wonderful. The angel remained before her, and it occurred to Mary that he was waiting for her response. The Lord was giving her the opportunity to accept or decline the holy invitation he was extending to her. He would not coerce or force her. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And as Gabriel left Mary, I wonder if he thought about her response. It wasn't all that long ago, roughly six months, that Gabriel had told Zechariah that he and his wife would have a son, a son who would also be great in the eyes of the Lord and who would prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. And Zechariah and Mary, although related, had such different responses to similar messages. Zechariah was a righteous man in a priestly order. He had been performing a holy ceremony in the most holy room of the most holy building of the most holy city when Gabriel had appeared to him. And yet, Zechariah's response had been one of unbelief. It surprised Gabriel that this message to Mary, of a son who would be even greater than John, was sent to an ordinary young woman in a small and unremarkable village. Gabriel might have assumed that it would be the opposite, that the announcement about the Messiah might perhaps more rightly have been given in a holier place and perhaps to someone a little bit more prestigious than Mary. But that's not the way God works. Our God is a God who sees and lifts up the humble. Our God is a God who saw and protected Hagar, a slave girl, and her son. The same God who protected and saved Joseph and then lifted him into a position of authority that caused his people to be saved. The same God who saved the infant Moses and placed him in a position that prepared him to lead God's people out of slavery. The same God who remembered Hannah and caused her to give birth to Samuel after she called out to God in deep sorrow. The same God who selected David, a young shepherd boy who was overlooked by his own family as having any potential as being a king. And yet... God caused David to become a beloved king of Israel who was also the recipient of God's promise of the coming Messiah. And there are so many more stories of God seeing and lifting up the humble and inviting them to participate in God's saving work. And yet, this ordinary girl's response to God's invitation was astounding in its simplicity and acceptance. She didn't question God's ability to do what he said, even though that's what Zechariah had done. And she didn't question God's discernment in choosing her, which is what Moses had done. Mary carefully considered God's invitation, asked a clarifying question, and then with a simple yet beautiful statement, accepted and surrendered herself to God. As Gabriel left Mary, I like to think that he left praising God for his goodness in seeing and lifting up the humble and for his kindness in choosing to live with his people. Surely things would still be hard for Mary. There was much that she didn't yet understand about what her son would need to do. Gabriel himself likely didn't know all of God's plans or what might happen. But I think he knew that God is good and that God will keep his promises. I think perhaps Gabriel left being excited to see what would happen next.